Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, I'm so glad you're here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. Today we are continuing the series that we're calling Elijah. And what we've been doing over the last few weeks is just doing a character study of one of the greatest, if not the greatest, prophets in the entire Bible. And each week we're diving in and learning more about his story and hopefully in the process learning more about ourselves as we go along. So what I want to do before we kind of jump into today's portion of his story is I want to recap his journey so far. I just want to, a couple minutes, just recap where we've been for those of us who have maybe missed the last two weeks or are brand new to the church. So what Elijah is dealing with, there's really just one big issue that he is contending with during his time, and that is idolatry. Okay? The evil king Ahab, who is now the king of Israel, evil king Ahab has sort of turned Israel's heart away from the one true God towards the worship of Baal, B-A-A-L. That is the god of weather, a very sort of famous a pagan god, if you will, in that territory at the time. That's a problem. And so God tapped Elijah to step in and to deliver a judgment, not just to Ahab, but to the entire nation. And, and the judgment that he delivered to Ahab was, there's going to be a devastating drought. There, there's not going to be any rain. There's not going to be any dew. Not until you all change your ways and turn back towards God. Now, after dropping this bomb on Ahab that there would be no rain or no dew, God sent Elijah into the wilderness, into a sort of a season of hiding, as we've been calling it. And he told him he wanted to go live in the Kareth Ravine. In week one, we looked at this, and we kind of called this God's boot camp. This is where God did a massive work in Elijah's life, turning him from just a simple man from Tishbe, the town where he was from, into this man of God. Now, the reason that God sent him into the Kareth Ravine, into this boot camp, if you will, is to prepare him for something big. Last week, we saw exactly what that big thing was. It was a showdown between God and Baal to find out who was, in fact, the real God. And it was a great story. I mean, if you weren't here, you got to go listen to it. It's one of the better stories we've done here at this church. But if you were here, you remember that after Baal failed to send the fire, it was now God's turn. And Elijah made a simple prayer. Lord, show up. Lord, show up for them. Turn their hearts back to you. Now, unlike the prophets of Baal, Elijah didn't dance around all day long. He didn't scream and shout. He didn't have to cut himself and cover, like, covered in blood. He just made a simple prayer. And immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the dust that even licked up all the water in the trench. And because of this, the hearts of the nation of Israel was turned back once again to God. An amazing story. Now, I don't know about you, but I have never prayed and seen fire fall from heaven. It just it hasn't happened yet, okay? And I'm assuming that probably hasn't happened to you. And, and because we haven't seen something like that, sort of a response from God that is so grand like that, we're tempted to think, well, the reason that happened to Elijah is because he's got, you know, sort of superhuman powers. If you will. That's why that happened to him. But 
Remember, in week one, we looked at this. James, the brother of Jesus, said of Elijah that he was as human as we are. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. So James describes Elijah's prayers as being earnest, which means they were sincere and they were intense in their conviction. And while Elijah did a, a number of amazing things in his life, not the least of which was appearing alongside Jesus in the transfiguration. We looked at that in the New Testament. The fact that he never actually died at the end of his life. God took him whole into heaven, carried him off in a chariot of fire, drawn by horses of fire. That's not why he was famous. Elijah is famous for his prayer life. Now, James describes his prayers as being earnest. What I was wondering this week is, well, how would you describe your prayer life? You ever think about that? I mean, if someone said, hey, how would you, you know, if you're a praying person, how would you kind of describe your prayer relationship, if you will, with God? I think some of us would say, great, healthy, vibrant, on point. Others might say, yeah, good. It's okay, you know. I, I try to pray daily. I get distracted sometimes, but yeah, it's good. It's good, you know. Some of you might, if you're bold enough to admit it, and I, I hope that we've created an atmosphere where you, you feel like you can express these kind of sentiments. I think some of you might say, you know, I'm just, I'm just not sure prayer works. Because, you know, I've been praying for my marriage and it just feels like God's not moving. I've been praying to find a spouse and I, I've asked God to take away this addiction. I've asked God to, to, to sort of remove the anger in my heart, to heal this relationship. And I don't know, it just... It just feels like God's not moving. I think we've all been there, at least at one point in our lives. Here's what I know about prayer. Prayer can be tough. Consistency in our prayer life is tough. Authenticity in our prayer life is tough. We really do feel like God is not listening sometimes. And so because we all will struggle at some point with our prayers, I want us to find out what Elijah knew about. I mean, if he was so famous for his prayer life, what did he know about prayer? Now, today's story, we're going to see Elijah pray for the rain to come back. We're going to see Elijah pray for that devastating drought to come to an end. And in the process of looking at this story, we are going to see what I'll call four elements, if you will, of effective prayer. And my hope is that we can begin to incorporate these elements into our own that being said, the first thing that we learn as looking at Elijah's life, the first thing that we learn about effective prayers is that effective prayers are, I'll call them humble prayers. Now, humility doesn't usually follow on the heels of a massive victory, which is why it is so important for us to know that, that we are most vulnerable to the enemy after a big one. Elijah has just had a massive victory. I mean, my man is on fire. He, he brought a guy back from the dead. He has, he has prayed and fire rained down from heaven. He destroyed all the prophets of Baal. We didn't even look at that story. That's a whole thing. And yet, he shows incredible humility. I'm about to show you. He exercises incredible humility when he prays to God for the rain to start. Let me show you. This takes place immediately after last week's story. Like just the next paragraph. It says, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. 
and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. So he climbs this mountain, he drops to his knees, face almost in the dirt, and he just sits there before a holy God. He physically humbled himself before him. It's a picture of what is happening spiritually inside. And I do think there's something to be said about the posture, if you will, of our prayers. Because you can pray standing up. You can pray with your eyes open. You can pray while you drive, while you walk. You can pray in the shower. Maybe you were taught to sort of kneel by your bed before you pray at nighttime. All of these postures are good. They're all God-honoring. However, there are those times in your life, and if it hasn't happened yet, it will, where the Spirit takes over and you just physically collapse before the Lord. You are laid out before the Almighty because the magnitude of your situation humbles you. We're not praying for a parking spot, okay? We're not praying for an A on a test. We're not even praying for the, the baby to get a good nap. There is some need in our life that is so great that we can do nothing but to cry out to God in our utter inadequacy. You ever been there? That's Elijah in this moment. He humbled himself because he knew that he himself could not bring the rain. And so he prayed, crumpled over, face in the dirt. God, I am so sorry. You are so big. You are holy. You're the sustainer. You're the creator. You're the healer. You're the provider. Peter, who was one of Jesus' disciples, reminds us that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. You want God's attention? You want him to move on your behalf? You want him to listen to that prayer? Humble yourself. Humility precedes the miraculous. We learn that effective prayer are humble prayers. The next thing that we see from Elijah is that effective prayers are specific prayers. He prayed for one thing. He had one request, rain. That's it. Lord, it hasn't rained in three and a half years. Three and a half years. Not even due. The ground is cracked. The wells are dry. The economy has stopped. People are dying in the street. They've rejected Baal. Their hearts have turned back to you, so please send rain to heal this nation. A very specific prayer. Confession time. I have been praying the same, what I'll call bedtime prayer. Maybe you have a bedtime prayer. I've been praying the same bedtime prayer since I was about six years old. Now, over the last however many years, it has evolved to a degree, but it's really essentially the same prayer. The best way that I can describe it is it's, it's like a list of names. Here's how it goes. You're getting a peek into my prayer life. You want to know what I pray? Dear God, watch over. Mom and Dad, me and Jacqueline, Charlotte and Saxon, that's my dog, 
And then, I, and then I, I go down the family tree. I just list everybody that I can think of. Please tell me I'm not the only one that thinks this. Okay, good. Other people are doing this too. Now, I don't know if you caught it, if you were listening closely to that prayer, but the only request, when we're talking about specific prayer, the only request that I made of God was for him to watch over me. What is that? I mean, I was reading this story this week, and I'm, and I'm thinking about what I'm praying, and I'm like, what? That's not very specific. I mean, if I said, hey, I'm going away, would you mind watching over my house? I'm not asking you just to look at it, okay? I need you to, hey, can you pull in the trash bins? I put them out. Can you make sure you bring them back in? Can you take in the mail? I don't want it, like, you know, stacking up. Can you just make sure the sprinklers are going on? They've been on the fritz. Can you just please, can you take a look at my house? But in my prayer to God, all I've asked him is to watch over, and then I hand him a list of names. And sure, he knows exactly what everybody needs. But come on, watch over is about a general a prayer as one could possibly make. But these are real people with real lives, with real needs that I could really be bringing to the Lord. And yet, Is it just me? Like, do you feel at times that your prayers are just like wishy-washy, non-specific, repetitive? You're done with it, and you're just like, Ugh, that was weak. I don't know. I want more for my prayer life. I want more. I was thinking this week. You know, I often say, I don't know your story. Church is, you know, big. I, I can't possibly know everybody's story. I don't know your story. Maybe we don't know your story. Maybe nobody really knows your story. But here's what I do know. I know there are people in this church that are hurting. I know for a fact that there are people in this church praying for peace. From anxiety, from depression, from stress. They, they ju they're just, Lord, please, would you give me peace in my mind? There are people in this church who are praying for employment. Bills are stacking up. They haven't found work, and it's been a long time. And maybe they're even starting to get angry at God because of it. And I know there's a lot of people at this church praying for love. They want a boyfriend. They want a girlfriend. They want a husband. They want a wife. These are just three needs that I know about, and there's got to be hundreds more besides this. So I want to do something about that. I want to do something we've never done before as a church. I want to start what I'm going to call the prayer project, where together we can add more meaning into our prayer lives by lifting each other up before the Lord. Because there are people in this church who have real needs. And there are people in this church that are dying to pray for your needs. And I want to put them together. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start a good old-fashioned prayer book. Throw up the QR code. I had Christina make this for me. Using this QR code, you get your cameras out, you put your you know, thing on it, you know how these things work already. It's 2022. Or you can go to SoFlow Church forward slash prayer. Using this QR code, you can do one of two things. Number one, you can submit a prayer request. You can keep it anonymous. Or you can add your name. I would love for you to add your name so that we can pray for you by name. But here's what I want you to do. 
Let us know specifically how we can pray for you. I need a job. I need a job doing this in this sector. Can you pray for me? I, I, need, my, I need my sugars to come below, you know, 150. I need to sell my house. It's got to be sold for 455. It can't go any less. Please, can you pray? Okay. Would you let us know how we can pray for you specifically? Then two, using this QR code, you can sign up to be a prayer partner. Praying for the needs of the people around you. And each week, we will take these prayer requests and we will email them out. Not to the whole church. Only to the folks who sign up to be a part of the prayer project group. And together, we are going to tap into a truth that we learned from Elijah. And that is this. There is power in specific prayer. God moves through specific prayer. And I feel like sometimes we're almost afraid to pray for specific things. Like, can, like, can we do that? Is that all right? Yes. That is, a, that is great. God wants to hear precisely what you need. Jesus' brother tells us, you know, you don't have because you do not ask God. Wow. Elijah asked for rain. What do you specifically need God to do in your life? And would you allow us to come alongside you and echo that request? Now, we can run this prayer project for forever. Maybe we will. But I like the idea of doing it for a season, a test, if you will. So I want us to go before the Lord from today until Easter. It's like 40 days or whatever taking each other's needs to God every day and watching for God to answer those requests. Now, when he does, here's what I would ask of you. Let us know. Email us back when he answers those prayers so that we can celebrate with you and we can glorify God in return. Effective prayers are specific prayers. We also learn from Elijah that effective prayers are persistent so far, we've seen Elijah humble himself a little bit. Then we've seen him pray a very specific prayer for rain. And as soon as he's done praying and says amen, he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. Now remember, they're on Mount Carmel. Fifteen miles to the west is, is the Mediterranean. They can see it from there. So Elijah prays for rain, and as soon as he's done, he goes to his buddy, go look to see if it's raining. Just pray. Go look. Anything yet? servant went and looked and returned to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. Really? Yeah, nothing. Okay. So let's be honest. That was probably a little bit of a shock to Elijah. And because so far in his life, in his journey with God, he prayed one time and a boy came back to life. He prayed one time and God sent fire down from heaven. Now he prayed one time. So Elijah prayed again, Lord, I need rain. Can, can you please send rain? Amen. Okay, go check now. He goes and looks. Still nothing back. Scripture says seven times Elijah told him to go and look. And at no point do we hear Elijah say, this prayer thing doesn't work. God's sleeping. God doesn't care. God's abandoned us. No. He is laser-focused on one specific prayer, and so he prays, and 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 he prays. 
And even though he doesn't do those, he doesn't allow his outward circumstances to affect his inward assurance. He doesn't get frustrated. He doesn't lose faith just because God hasn't answered him that way. Because he knows God's faithful. He's seen God work in his life in the past. He knows what what he's praying for is, is within the will of God. And so this has to be a timing issue on God's part. And so he doesn't give up. He continues to pray. He is persistent. Jesus taught a ton about the importance of persistent prayer. He famously one time taught us this. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. He's saying your heavenly father wants you to ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock. Not because he wants to hear you beg, but because God is moved by persistent prayer. And yet, in spite of the words of our Savior, many of us, when God doesn't answer immediately, are quick to claim he did not hear. He doesn't hear. He isn't listening. Prayer is Now, in light of what Jesus taught us about persistence in prayer, and in light of what Elijah has modeled for us in terms of persistence in our prayer life, let me me just ask you a question. What have you quit praying for that you need to start praying for again? What was that thing that you prayed for? God didn't seem to move, and so you gave up. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you you prayed a few times, bought a book, didn't see a change, so you quit praying. Maybe it's for a job. Maybe it's for your finances, for for a business. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's for someone in your family who doesn't know Christ yet. What was that prayer that you gave up on? Remember what we looked at earlier. Peter, Peter said, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of a God and at the right time, at the right time, at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Don't put God on your timetable. We all do that. Don't do that. In the story of Daniel, we studied this last year, I think. We learned that God heard your prayer the first time. The moment your prayer left your lips and entered heaven, God heard it. But there's a reason, and you might never know that reason. There is a reason he hasn't answered it yet. So don't give up. Because when we are persistent in our prayers, that is when we see God move, and that is when we see God work. Effective prayers are persistent. The last thing we learn from Elijah um, is that effective prayers are expectant prayers. This is awesome. I love this. This is where it all comes together. Let's pick up where we left off. Seven times Elijah told him to go and die. Finally, uh, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud 
about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Elijah, 15 miles away. I'm just telling you, there's the teeniest, tiniest, smallest cloud. It's about the size of my hand. And it's just floating over the ocean. Elijah smiles, jumps up, brushes the dirt off his knees because that's all he needed to hear. He shouted, hurry, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot, go back home, because if you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. <laughs> Look at the confidence Elijah has in God. The confidence he has in prayer. Now think about this. The servant didn't say, I just looked, there's a huge hurricane coming. There's a m- you you have to see this for yourself. There is a massive monsoon. He said, there's a cloud. Maybe, I mean, maybe six inches there. But that was enough to signal to Elijah that God has answered his prayer. One of the things that I've learned about prayer in my life is that prayer, it really does become a lifeless exercise when we're not looking for answers. And I think sometimes when we pray, and maybe even while we're praying, we're thinking God's never going to answer. You ever been there? You're praying, you're thinking, this is a waste of my time. This is just never going to happen. In fact, I think that doubt prevents us from praying specific prayers. And so we play it safe. We don't pray big. But Elijah shows that when we pray, we should be looking for answers. Go to the side, take a look, what do you see? Scripture invites us to pray with expectation. God wants to answer our prayers. That is in his nature. He he is our good father. He wants to give us gifts. He wants to bless us. Now listen, this is not health and wealth, prosperity, gospel kind of thing, okay? The Bible at no point teaches that you can name it and claim it. If you hear that, you go the opposite direction. But when we ask God for things that are in his will and according to his will, we can and should expect to see an answer. Remember, Jesus himself said, for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. That's a promise. And so if your prayers are weak sauce, remember this. I mean, how much more powerful, how much more exciting would our prayers become when we actually keep our eyes open, watching for the answer to come? How different would life look if when you prayed and said amen, you ran to go look out towards the sea for a cloud? But we don't really live like that, do we? Sometimes I wonder how many answers from God we miss because we don't really expect him to respond. King David said, that's why I wait expectantly, trusting God that he has promised. God promised that he would send rain, and so Elijah prayed expectantly. And when he saw that hand-sized cloud, he knew God was on the move. And soon, the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left for Jezreel. The drought was over. Three and a half years of no rain has come to an end. But life was about to get really tough for Elijah. 
next week as we wrap up this series. We're going to find out about one of the toughest personal battles that Elijah would ever have to face. But until then, what's the practical answer? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at DHC, every week we throw this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So last week, if you were here with us, I told you that my prayer for this church is that we would have a revival, that that there would be sort of a renaissance, a rebirth, that God would set our spirits on fire for him again, that we would have a passion for serving others, that we would have a passion for gathering together here on Sundays to worship him and to glorify him and to give thanks to him for all he has blessed us with. And that in light of today's message, that he would ignite our prayer life. So here's my challenge. Here's the practical answer. I really, really, really hope that you will commit to the prayer practice. I I am sure, because you're human, I am sure you're asking God to move in your life in some way. Maybe it's a health issue, a concern. Maybe it's a relationship issue, a business issue, something with your kids. Would you be so bold is to allow us to come alongside you and pray with you. Then, I want to challenge every single one of you to sign up to become a prayer partner. We're talking like 40 days here. Would you be willing to go before the Lord on behalf of the people sitting next to you? Like, if I get home today and only like five people sign up, that's okay okay. God changed a nation with the prayer of one man. I'm just telling you, if, you, if you're on the fence about this, it's like, uh, I'm just telling you, God can change you while you're praying for others. I've seen it. Your relationship with your Heavenly Father will get healthier when you go before Him in prayer. If you're someone that goes, I'm not, you know, I'm not a great sort of a prayer, if that's even a word, I just, I don't, I don't even know what to say. I'm just telling you, Part of the reason that God loves persistent prayers is because it trains us to speak to him. And it gives us more confidence to go before him and speak to him. So would you try something different with your life? Would you get involved with something bigger than yourself? Be a part of a movement. Let's really pray for one another. And then lastly, I would just challenge you to live expectantly. When you go to a restaurant and you order a salad or whatever, you're not surprised when the salad comes out. That's what you order. Live the same way with God. Live a life of faith where you just know that he answers prayer. That you just know that God is working on your behalf. And don't be surprised when you get what you ask for. And sometimes God will bless you beyond your wildest dreams. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that because of Jesus, we have the ability to come directly to you in prayer. Lord, that you have opened up a line of communication between us and you, the Creator. You, the sustainer, you, the provider, you, the deliverer, 
you the defender. Lord, I know that the people around me right now have things on their hearts. They've been bringing it to you privately. God, I pray that today you would challenge us to go public with those things. To ask the people around us who love us, who care about us, to pray on our behalf. Would you give us the boldness to take a leap of faith to do that? And God, I pray, I pray, Lord, that you would challenge us to pray for others, to sign up, to do something different, Lord. That in the process of lifting up the people around us, the people that call this church their home, Lord, that you would draw us near to you. God, I pray that between today and Easter, I pray that you would move in this church. You would move in our lives. And that we would see answer to prayer. And when we do, we will be sure to give you all of the glory. We ask all of this in Jesus' name.